Hey, Jim and Dee. This is Joe. Jim, glad to see you're back doing the podcast regularly. Really missed it. Been listening to it since the beginning. Look forward to them every week. Howdy, howdy. Sorry for the uh, delay of last week, but um, I'll tell you, it is good to be talking to all of you. Um, God, I missed you. So I was away. I just got home from the Metallica tour. And wow, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about on so many levels, so many different levels. And it just gets more interesting and interesting. And if you're, you know, if you're interested in the band and all that jazz, it's that's one thing. That's one part of the excitement. But there's this whole other amazing thing that it's morphing into that I never, ever in my wildest dream thought it'd be morphing into. And uh, I, I want to get into that with you today. Um, there's a bunch of things I want to get into. You know, the holidays are coming up and all that jazz. We'll start off with this. Before I went out on this leg on the tour, um, there, was a, there was a bunch of things that were going on. But on this one particular one, uh, one, of the, one of the workers um, with that tour with the band... Uh, expressed about hey uh, I want to personally feed the homeless and I feel like we could be doing she or, or she could be doing so much more so that conversation was so passionate this person was so passionate that I went man let, let's try to let's try to figure something out right so we we kept in touch during the off time and Little did I know what it was going to turn into. I had it. I can't even tell you the ripple effect that continues to go on. It really, you know, life. I'm a, I'm a diehard believer in if you put good things out there with no expectations back. That's the hardest part. No matter what you say, that is the hardest part. Not caring about taking the credit. One of my favorite all-time sayings is, one person can change the whole world for the better as long as they don't give a damn who takes that credit. And that's, that's, that's the real honor. Because the one that takes the credit, they need that credit. And I, I, I don't know if it starts with... Um, the way we start as a civilization, as as growing up, like, hey, who's who came up with this brilliant idea, and who's the uh, great? Like, I don't, I don't know. From trophy, I don't know what it's from, but it seems like we all kind of have that. I don't know if it's built within us, an instinct, like, look what I did, rather than 
I don't know. I, I I've done things before. You know, I don't I don't go around telling everyone like, hey, you know what I did? I am Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. And the only reason I'm just use this example. Um, let me explain my family tree here. So my parents, when they get married, I am going somewhere. I'm all over the place, but uh, I am getting somewhere. My parents, I'm the only child from those two parents. My mom had four children and my dad had three children. Both come from the World War II era. So I was, everyone thought that was my grandfather or grandparents. Nope, those are my parents. My mom had me, I think, 42 years old, which was really old if you're talking about the 60s. Today, you might see it a little bit more, but you're also dealing in health-wise dangerous territory for the baby and for the mom. So my dad had two boys and a girl. And my mom had, like I said, four kids, two boys, two girls. Now, my dad's side, both, both brothers became police officers. They were police officers. Now, I didn't really know my siblings. I, I knew all my siblings, but they were all pretty much out of the house with the exception of one brother from my mom's side and a sister from my mom's side. And um, the one, so, the, so everyone else was out of the house, married, and their lives were already... Their lives have already begun in some way or a So by the time I was 8, 10 years old, people were out of the house, married, we were visiting them, and I was actually closer, and still am, to their children. Because when they started having children, even though they're all my nieces and nephews, to me they were more like baby brothers and sisters that I became extremely close with and I didn't have that connection quite honestly with any of the siblings I had them but I looked at them more as I don't know how to explain it they're brothers and sisters but you really don't think of it when you're a kid that that's your brother and sister because they're adults to you you know you're you're 10 years old and you're looking at a 24 25 year old with kids that's that's uh too old. I understand the cop world because both both brothers were cops. One was uh, in Nassau County, Long Island. The other one was in Queens, New York. And so I also, when it comes to, you know, cops are this and cops are, I, I have both views. I also worked in Harlem for a couple years. So I saw both sides of the tennis court, like how, how people can look at cops and how cops can look at certain people. So with that said, I've always had an understanding or tried to have an understanding for both sides. So I, I saw and still do, I'll see my, my brother Ronnie. I bring him every Saturday. We get to share time and go to uh, the Paramount on Long Island and where I do a show there, part of the residency. I believe there's only two more shows after this week. So, now once I moved to where I live now, I did, 
uh, fundraisers for officers. Okay, so I found local area, local places, and and uh, I would raise money. You know how you get in the MLO, hey, give to your local fire department or police. And the guys here always do, the cops in town always do this bicycle ride or motorcycle ride to Florida and back for fallen officers that have, that have left a family. And so now I've done, I think, two of them. I've done a, a bunch of stuff, stuff for schools and shows for schools and people I know that have cancer and they don't have insurance and houses that have burnt. And the reason why I say that is not because a trophy, it's just that it's easy, it's easy for me to do a show. I shouldn't say it's easy. It's just... I'm not going to give a paycheck. I don't like paychecks because I don't know where that money goes. So when I did this show for the officers uh, in where I live, and I did something, where, I, I did a couple times. I remember when I was done, it just felt good. I saw the families together. I saw people going, man, that was so nice and so kind. I said, please, it's, I get it. I get it. You know, and they're cutting back benefits and they, they want to shorten the pension and we don't, you know, we only get X amount of vacation and X, Y, Z. And no matter what you think of police officers, how the media portrays them or how a edited clip of a video can portray thousands of workers, I know firsthand that you really don't know what it's like to live every day not sure if you're going to be murdered. Because at the end of the day, that's the reality that no one ever thinks about. No one ever, you know, you know, police officer. Every day when they leave their wife, their girlfriend, their mother, their brother, their friends, every time they either pull someone over or walk up to someone, they don't know if they're going to be murdered. And as crazy as that sounds, that is reality. Now, we can also say, well, we could, we all live that way. Whatever your mentality is. You, I'm not going to try to convince you either way because there's people like, well, you know. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just giving both sides here. So don't get all hopped up and get your asshole all tangled out of whack. When you have a view, you stick with it, and that's fine. You know, that's another thing. There's people like, no, this is the way you don't get All right. All right. Um, I just know by personal experience of both sides, and I've been pulled over too by shitheads that were clearly uh, trying to shake me down. And I'm just being honest about that as well. So I know just if you go in a great pizza place and... It's amazing. And you go in the next pizza place and they suck in their assholes. I'm not going to try to take down all pizza places now. So it's absurd how you can, in the world we live in, how anything, you just paint one picture and now everything's smeared. That, that's, a, that's a sick society that we're heading towards rather than just an individual. It's a very sick and twisted society. And it's a brainwashing, distorted, dangerous society. You better be very careful about that. So when I would do these benefits, I remember uh, a couple months later, 
I went to a, a, a local pizza shop. Um, and while I was in there, the person in there said, I, I noticed this person too had all these badges and, uh, you know, the people that wear the, the, put the big badge in the, in the, in the windshield and he had a uh, plaques and all this stuff because he donates pizza here and there or gives them a thousand bucks cash or whatever he does. I walked in and he goes, um, you know, for that benefit, what did they give you? I said, what do you mean they, what do you mean what they give me? He goes, they didn't give you anything? I said, well, I don't, well, no, I, I, I was doing it for them. He's like, no, you're, you, they're supposed to give you a plaque. They're supposed to give you a badge. That's messed. You, you need to get a badge. I said, I don't need to get it. What are you talking about? I don't need to get a badge or anything. And he must have said something. Because I remember a couple months later, one of the officers came up to me like, we're so sorry we had this thing for you. And I went, I don't, why, yo, I don't, it's not what that's about. I'm not, it's not about getting that. I didn't ask for it. I didn't have to do this. Trust me. On a Friday and Saturday night, that is where Jim Brewer makes all his living. My living is Friday, Saturdays, sometimes Sunday weekends. I, I, my weekends are shot because that's where I have to make my income. So I miss a lot with, with family stuff. My family stuff is during the week. So I chose to do this and chose to walk away from a weekend to help you because I see your families. I see the way you live. I see the people you are. I wanted to help. I don't expect anything in return. It's like giving a child a gift in a way. You know, Christmas is coming or whatever. When you give, when you give a child a gift or you give someone a gift, I'm going to say child because most likely a child will never go, oh my God, what can I give back to you? Where an adult will go. Sometimes you give an adult something and they feel guilty because like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to pay you back. It's not what it's about. And trust me, I'm getting somewhere with all this. You just hang in there. Uh, I, it takes for me forever sometimes to get to the point, but I just like reiterating why to do things. So bring this back to this girl, Sarah, uh, young lady, I should say, young lady, Sarah. She expressed to me how she really wants to drive around and feed homeless people. And we started working on it during the off weeks of the Metallica tour. And by the time we started up again, we started in Vegas. This new tour we started, this new leg of the tour we started in Las Vegas. And I had, a, I had a killer show lined up. We had, I was marrying someone on stage in Vegas. I had two dear friends fly out to come see me who were hilarious. Hilarious. I think I saw them for tops an hour the entire trip because they just, they were, I don't know, they just... Party. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot. Vegas was fun. Very chaotic for me, but it was fun because we had dancers that came up on stage. I I married a couple that was on stage. There was a lot going on. 
I got to hang out with Brian Regan. If you're a Brian Regan fan, which I have to say, how can you not be? How can you not be a Brian Regan fan? That, that's my question. It, it seems like impossible. I watched Brian Regan for the first time, I'm going to say 1988, 1989. 1988, I was thinking about going back into stand-up comedy. I think I was, I don't know, 19, 20 maybe. And um, was I 19? Was I 85? I was 18, 86, 19, 87, 20. Wow, I was 21. Okay, so I'm about 21 years old in 88. In 1989, I started doing this comedy club. I made I made decision. I'm going for it. I told my mother and father. And I would, it was Clearwater, Florida. We lived in Palm Harbor, Florida. And I would go to this place called Ron Bennington's Comedy Scene. He was a big DJ. If you guys have Sirius Satellite Radio, he has a show on, on Sirius, Ron Bennington. And Brian Regan would come through the club every six months. He was a headliner. And we would imitate this guy's act for months, months when he left. And I followed him throughout his entire career. I, I remember he would do little MTV spots. He, I, could, I was always baffled that this guy never had a big, big HBO special. He had specials, but never the big uh, HBO. Or, and I got to say, if, you know... I put him right up there with the best of the best. Writing-wise, creative-wise, delivery. He's one of the most influential stand-up comics out there in general. And I could see it in a lot of people. And I know... Anyway, I can't say enough. So I get to hang out with Brian Regan. Uh, We we started off together doing um, the Dennis Leary Foundation in Boston, the Cam Neely. And... I laughed so hard just hanging out with him. He's he's off stage, the same thing on stage. And what you know, every conversation we'd lead into, I went, Oh my god, that's a bit. Oh my god, you're just writing bits. And he made me just as silly and doofy. I don't get to hang out with a lot of comedians. And really let my guard down and be myself because you never know, even through conversation, they'll start going, wait, is that my bit? I'll, I'll take that bit. I'm going to, okay. I do. And I've done that even with guys that I'm working with today where we'll just have a conversation and then I'll turn around and I realize they're using it in their, in their routine. And, you know, there's part of me going, hey, man, that was kind of my conversation and uh, we should have talked about whatever. It doesn't matter. I guess the point is, Brian is freaking hilarious. So I got to hang out Brian Regan. It was Vegas was freaking awesome. I mean, he laughed so hard. It was it was one of the best belly laughs I had in a long time. <laughs> Thank you. I haven't laughed like that in a long time. Vegas was just chaotic. It was a lot of people. It was like 15 people hanging out on the tour bus just with us and everyone. It, it was freaking awesome. So by the time we got out of Vegas, I was, I was exhausted. It took two, three days to recover from that. 
But we were coming up to Portland, and what blew my freaking mind was this young lady, Sarah, from, from a little conversation. And I know a lot of you have all these things you want to do. Some of you have a lot of things inside you, and you know who you are. And some of you already do it. And you don't have to do it on a big, massive level. You do it on a tiny level. Just a tiny, tiny level. Um, she had an idea. She put it out there. And eventually, the magnet hits. And you get an, ex- and you get an explosion. And this young lady, by the time we were done with Vegas, said... I have a local pizza truck. A local I have an old friend that does a pizza truck. He's donating a hundred pizzas and we're gonna hand out slices of pizza. I hooked up with this with this company called Sisters of the Road. What does Sisters of the Road do? They opened up a nonprofit shop in or, or place in downtown Portland where they have a cafe and they cook for the homeless. And they feed the homeless. I think it costs like a dollar fifty, maybe two dollars, something like that. And you get a full meal. However, you don't just come in and and use that. You eventually have to come in and volunteer your time. So if you're homeless, you come in and you also you're gonna come in and you're gonna help cook. You're gonna help set up. Uh, beds in the local place. You're gonna clean. You're gonna do the dishes. You're gonna, you're gonna help plan. You're gonna help work the register. They help you get yourself and teach you skills to get back out there and build your own little community. And I remember living in New York City, and I don't want to get a, talk politics. I don't understand politics. I'll just, I just know. Mayor Giuliani at the time, people like, oh, it's so mean what he's doing with the homeless. And, and, and I don't, I can't say exactly what he was doing. I just know at that time I was a fan of his. And he would, as he said, not a big believer in welfare because that's an enabler. And I 100 percent agree with that and if you put that with your own children if you give your children everything your whole life you grow up you have a maid so they make their beds you anything they want you give it to them they don't know how to take care of themselves and they always walk around with their hand out waiting for something and they don't understand what it's like to work to get their own whether it's nothing you know my my, my I, I have a I know a person that came from a place, um, had to go to, we'll call it camp, go away camp for a while, and try to get their life back together. Didn't have a, a fantastic upbringing. And when this person came about, I tried, uh, a couple of us tried to wean this person back into just a foundation give them a foundation and it's also up to the person whether they want to take the foundation and go with it and this person would look at people like me 
my friends or whatever who worked from ground zero to where we're at now. And I would imagine that was a tough thing to do because they came practically from nothing. And to go from nothing and want it all, I had to teach along with the people around me in my life would help teach this person. You have to go out and get it. You have to work hard. And you know what? You may not get it all, but you will get what you need. And if you do it on your own, it feels so damn good. And I remember this person bought their first new car. And this car was the biggest piece of shit you can ever imagine. But I can cry thinking about this moment. I'll never forget going out to visit this person's car just because this person was so proud of their car. I went out and I almost belly laughed because it was such a piece of shit. But the glow, the confidence, the self-esteem, the humanity in this person was so proud of what they accomplished from going out there facing all their fears. Because this person had fears. No one's going to accept me. No one's going to give me a chance. No one's ever gave me encouragement. No one's ever lifted me up. I've always lived around XYZ. And other people will help enable that XYZ. And that's, a, that's an extremely difficult environment to live in. And a lot of you live in that. A lot of us live in it. So to be able to pull yourself out of it, you always need help. You always need someone to come reach out a hand. And you got to know when you reach out that hand, don't you dare, don't you dare ever put your hand out to pull someone out of the mud and expect something back. If that's not a humanitarian thing, then don't get involved. Do not get involved. You're only going to lead to yourself in disappointment and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're putting guilt on someone else if you think, if you expect you're going to get something. And I got to say, I can start crying thinking about the moment when I saw this individual so empowered, so uplifted because they accomplished all this on their own. Did they make a lot of money? No. Did they have the best job in the world? No. But they busted their balls, took time, and they did it on their own. And they can honestly say, this person didn't pay for it, that person didn't pay for it. So, back to the Giuliani thing in welfare. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan because I do think you, you're enabling. And the minute... People or a society think they're owed something. Well, then guess who has to pay for that? You do. And yes, there's humanitarian things to do and all that. But the whole, well, this, uh, well, then you're, it's, I don't know, you're not helping them get on their feet. So I remember Giuliani going, we're going to take the homeless and you have to work in the shelter. If you want to sleep in the shelter, you have to help. Do the laundry. You have to uh, fold the beds. You have to be the doorman. You have to learn to paint. 
And I thought that was a brilliant concept. Whether he followed through with it or not, I don't honestly know. But I know the idea and the concept I thought was absolutely something to get behind. Which brings me back to the sisters of the road in Portland. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to go on tour. If you know of any type of sisters of the road, do me a favor, comment it on wherever you're listening, whether it's, uh, I, I read most of my stuff. Uh, I'm starting to read my Patreon page more. Uh, I'm starting to read, um, uh, you know, Facebook messages and all that jazz. Maybe I set up, I don't know. I just put it out there. Twitter. You know who you know who a bunch of you are. I talked to you on Twitter. Not so much a, a general tweet, but some of you personally DM me, direct message me on Twitter. And if you know any sisters of the road, you go on my site and you see where I'm performing, and you're like, Jim, there's a place like this here and there. Please let me know. I'm gonna look into it too. I'm not gonna lie to you though. I'm lazy. I am freaking lazy. Or I'm just. Once I'm home, I got three kids. My life is embedded in those kids. And I, 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 I indulge. When I'm home, I'm home. Uh, when I'm away, I try to be home. But I also try to do things that are powerful on the road rather than be like, hey, I got a show tonight. So please let me know because I'd like to get involved with them. Here's the phone number real quick for you to leave a message. 917 917- Nine six two zero six five zero nine one seven nine six two zero six five zero. Love to hear from you. Call Jim Brewer. Get on the phone. Let's go. So this young lady Sarah gets all involved with everything. I mean, I was I was baffled. Baffled. So we knew exactly, we hooked up with Sisters of the Road and we knew exactly where to go to feed hungry, homeless people. And the woman got in the car with us and the other person that got in the car with us was a homeless person that worked their way up through Sisters of the Road and now works in the office. And he also said, oh, I know we've got to go this area, this area, and this area. And we have to get there quick because the police are now sweeping them because corporations and big contractors are trying to sell this area. And they need to sweep the homeless off. They ticket them and then they, you know, they either throw them in jail or they move them along so they can sell that area and start building it. Um, so we're off to the races. We're doing everything we can. We 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 had fans involved. We have Metallica fans, and we call them the black ticket holders because they have they buy a ticket which enables them. I think it's like eight hundred bucks to go to any Metallica concert they want. So I I am Metallica. That's a that's a great freaking deal. You have thirty four concerts. You're paying eight hundred bucks. It's almost worth doing that. Than buying a regular ticket, uh, and then you can go wherever you want, make a vacation out of it. So, these there there was a group there. There's Mel from Australia. There's the Swedes. We call them the Swedes. I am Inga from Sweden. There's about four of them, and the and the Vikings. These two big guys from Norway. 
I think they're from Norway. I apologize if they're not. I'm a Viking! And they all came out to help to feed homeless in the streets. And I'll tell you, man, it's something, you know, we all kind of think about, but we, or you think about you want to do all these little things, and until you see it and you, and you do it, and they told us, like, listen, just walk up. I'm not going to lie to you. I was freaked out. I didn't want to. I was freaked out. What if one of the, there was a little part of me. I don't know if I'm going to get stabbed. Am I going to, am I going to get attacked? Am I going to, are they all whacked out? And, and the people said, listen, is there a couple deranged ones out there? Of course. There's mentally disturbed people out there, which is why they're out there. Um, and then the rest, something else is going on. And that's another thing. Everyone has opinions on why you're homeless. I can personally tell you, I know of a person that has been homeless for, good God, 35 years, 35 years. And I don't know the person very well. I don't know the person really at all, to be honest with you. I know this person's family members and would what would blow me away is when I discovered this 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 person said yeah my uh my family member's homeless and I went, what because yeah I, I me my other family once every two weeks go to the city and try to find them and we'll find them in a cardboard and we'll bring them home and then they they can't function and then they back out in the street and that I couldn't I was shocked because like wait a minute we but we know each other we're we're exactly the same how is that why I I I couldn't comprehend that you don't know the reasons why these people are homeless. You have no clue. You don't know if they got molested. You don't know if they got... You don't know what happened. You know, I, I know some people... You know, there's people come up and they always ask. I never give money. But people... I don't give money. I never give money. I'm not going to lie to you. I, just, I don't trust them. There's certain... We all size up homeless, you know, especially if they're going to clean your windshield or they're going to clean... You know, they come up to you. I don't like them. I don't, they bother me. I'd be a liar if I said they didn't. They freaking bother me. Get away. No. Don't touch my windshield. Uh, don't, don't come up to me and ask for money. You're not getting it. Some of them are drug addicts. Some of them are alcoholics. Some of them, whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't know what got you there. You know, some of, some of us, we become addicted to painkillers. Some of us become addicted to pills. The pills because of whatever pain, because you're diagnosed with depression, that's the new thing. We're, she was diagnosed with depression. I got news for you. Everybody has depression. Oh, here's a pill for it. Well, I get it, but some people started drinking and doing drugs and doing whatever. They just figured out how to legalize the painkiller. You know, if you deal with death... You lose your mother, your father, your sister. You get sick at a young age. You're going to be depressed. And I also think life in general, depression, is just me. 
because you're not sure why you're living. Sure, we're out there trying to make a million dollars and, and live in a big home and a beautiful life and become the next big People magazine star and all that jazz. Well, at the end of the day, I have to say I'd be a liar if I thought that's what life is about. If that's what your life is about, that's what we're taught from day one. You're taught from day one, be all you can be, make all the money. And when you do make the money and when you're so educated and so much smarter and you just know so many things and you read so much, you're smart, you're so, so I hear so many people say, I'm so smart. I don't like people that aren't smart. You're part of the problem. Because you're not, you're putting yourself above everyone else. What does this smartness do for you? What does it do for you? Allow you to talk down to others? Allow you to judge? Because at the end of the day, all that stuff we thrive for, it, it comes down to money, and it comes down to vanity, and it comes down to items. And when, that's your, and when that's your God and your goal, let's be honest. There's no soul there. There's no spirit. There's nothing. Zero. Whether you want to face that or not, absolutely nothing. I am Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. Hey, I got a new car. And, and you're on a high because you got your new car. It's a Lamborghini or I've been dying to get this car. My new speakers. And yeah, it feels great and all that jazz. But what happens if it goes in a fire or it gets crashed or whatever. And you, it's like it, it, those are just little cool things to that should. It's like getting ice cream. Just ice cream on a whole new level. That's it's just a kick-ass Sunday. Life, humans... You know, call me crazy, but our general spirit, we start as nomads, living in tribes, living in a small community, looking after each other. I, I can't hunt, but that's all right. I'm going to help raise the kids because you're not a great father and you're not a great mother. And so I, I'm really good at the kids. You're really good at hunting. You're really good at teaching spirituality. You're really good. And you're a community. Hey, we can't keep banging out kids because we can't keep eating. We're going to starve to death. So let's not bang each other for a while. Let's just let's so and that. Giving to that's life, that's human life giving to the next generation of life. Here's how you look after each other when you get old. Here's what you do when someone's sick. Here's you're depressed because you lost a child, so you need to be lifted up in life. That is that feels great in life. That's why you're depressed. Depression is everybody gets depressed. Sometimes it lasts longer than others because you have no direction. I knew what kind of, and I'm dealing with children going, I don't know, I'm so depressed because I don't know what I'm doing in life. Well, of course you don't because, the, well, you need to know what you're doing and what kind of education you're going to have and how much money you're going to make and what kind of career you're going to have. That, what the hell is that? That's insane pressure. And yes, that's the society we live in. But that's part of causing depression. It's all false nonsense. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just going off on tangent. Where's he going? I don't know. 
Get the choppers. He's in the woods. I don't see him. Get the, get the heat taser so we can see. Maybe we can find him through the heat taser. I go off on tangents. All I can tell you is walking around, seeing someone coming up, and, and me just going, hey, would you like a slice of pizza? Are you hungry? Would you like an apple, a banana, a bag of chips? And people go, no, no, thanks. I, I ate already. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, my God, you have pizza? Someone says you have pizza. I can't have a slice of pizza. Oh, my God, it's so warm. The pizza's warm. Guys, the pizza's warm. The excitement in their voices, the look in their eyes. You know what blew me away the most? You know, did we take pictures? Yeah, we took pictures. Oh, we take pictures for? Because hopefully the kids or whoever, that's the world we live in. It's all visual. Oh, I didn't see it. You know, people watch 24-7 on their phone, Instagram, and this and that. You post it there. Hopefully it inspires you to do something. That'll make you feel better. Maybe help a cat. Maybe feed a bird. Maybe call one of your relatives and say sorry. Whatever. That's the intention. To inspire you to do something for you. And so for the most part, comments are amazing. But I get a couple comments it taught me so much about our society, so much about brainwashing and the world that is fed to us 24-7. I read comments like this. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for, um... You're making our problem worse by feeding these people. Um, another one was, it's Antiva. I don't know what the hell that group is. Uh, Antiva, I don't know. I don't follow news and politics. Yeah, they're in Antiva, asshole. Where to be? You just start that way to feed the enemy. The enemy. The enemy. Way to, uh, another good one was, um, oh God, was that? it was Antiva. Oh, they're not even homeless, moron. They're just Portland hipsters trying to be cool in the streets. Almost always makes me and for a split second, I'd get pissed. And then on a bigger scale, I realized, do you see the power and the pure brainwashing of hatred and misguidance and misinformation and deflection that the mass media shoves down your throat 24-7. Every, and I'm not going to lie to you, I think I may have had some of these thoughts too in the past. But when you see the eyes of a human being that has lost their soul for a reason you cannot judge, 
and nor should you. You should never have the audacity to judge. And when you see a person in desperation running to you and in pure excitement that something was warm, and I'll tell you what, it, had, it felt like 20 degrees that day. So not only were they hungry, but they were freezing their asses off. And one by one that we fed, we're so thankful. Thank you so much. And for people to sit on their couches, looking at their fucking phones, and have the fucking audacity to say such moronic shit and make it a political thing or a hateful thing, shame in our society. I don't even say shame in our society. I say wake the fuck up. Turn off the goddamn news, whether you watch Fox News, CNBC, all of it. I swear my life, they're doing everything in their power and have been for years to control everything. Control how you think, control how you feel, control how you dictate your lives, control how you debate with one another. And it is a vicious cycle and it's fucking dangerous. I don't watch news anymore. I don't, I, I just, people came up to me like, man, the China, man, we better the trade. I, I had no clue what the hell was going on. I just would hear people. And then even when you hear people and you debate and all that, you don't, you're not debating, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're just talking about what is being fed down your throat. You're not living it. You're not there. You're not part of it. So you can't comment or put your two cents in if you don't know shit. But to sit there and have that view and you don't know anything about it is scary. You can live pure hate and that's what mass media does. I, you know, I don't care what you, are you a Trump fan? I don't care. I don't follow. So I don't care. I don't care. No president in my lifetime has changed my life. Not one. Not one. No one comes in and held my father when he died. No one, no one has the conversations, the deep conversations on how to live life with my children. No one, no one, no one gives me advice. No one, the president doesn't do that. Vice president, all these people. Doesn't matter. Stop getting caught up in all of it. The less you watch, the less you read, the less you know about that, the more in touch you become with humanity. At least that's the lesson I've learned. The more you turn it all off and stop letting it infiltrate your brain, the more instinct will come to you and the more humane humanity part of you will come out. And the more you watch it, the more yelling, the more screaming, the more hatred, the more opinionated you become.
So at the end of the day, it was still a beautiful thing. I don't want it to be a negative. But those little comments are very, I don't take them lightly. It makes me realize, and you're always gonna, I'm always going to have that. You're always going to have people like that. But it could be prevented. It could be prevented. And I can't say it enough. No news, no media, no politics. And we'll do a lot better. We did, we did fine for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Until somehow a billion rules came along and someone thought we need to be, quote, governed. That's, that's when things get a little iffy. I'm not saying we need to uh, overthrow government. I'm just saying you need to regulate your mind a little, a little more. I need to regulate my mind. Amen. 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 But overall, on the higher awesome note, this... The power of life, the power of giving each other positive thought, positive reinforcement, anything. This started with a conversation. It started with a simple conversation. This young lady, Sarah, came to me with. I then went back to her, grabbed some other friends, and the next thing you know, we're hand-to-hand feeding people. The next thing you know, we have, she set up catering for all the Metallica shows and all the food that's left over. Now we have food banks come and pick them up. Now we're gonna set it up. Now now Metallica, uh, their foundation, all within my hands. They're now setting up things. They already did. But now like, oh, we can do this and do that and do that. I I don't know for a fact. I know they're talking about it, so I can't speak for them. But this tiny little conversation is now feeding hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe more. Maybe even inspiring more people. This tiny little pebble thrown in a pond. Bloop. And that ripple is moving as if that pond was an ocean. That's how simple it is. It's that freaking simple. Every day I wake up and I I swear to God, and a lot of it is influenced by my wife. She goes, Jim, I know you're on tour and you're going to make money and you want to get popular and hopefully people follow and we'll do great and blah, blah, blah. But just know you may be out there to change one life. She says that over and over again. And I think about that, and I talk about it, and I even pray about it. Every day I go, if there's someone, life I can change, just do it. You know, whatever I can, however I can make life better today, we, even if it's just whatever on the smallest scale. Because that small scale, you have no clue. There's people out there like you. You know who you are. You'll tell me a comment. A comment. You'll send me a Twitter and say, you know, Tina out there in Hawaii, you're always sending something. Jules, all you guys, you're always sending me a little something. And that little something, I've never, Jules, I met you, but Tina, I never met you. I never met Tom. I never met Bill. I never met George. There's these others I've never met. And they just send these little comments. And I'm telling you, That little comment makes me realize I'm on the right track and I want to inspire and I want to touch more people. And you don't think you're doing something, but I'm telling you, you are.
So I hope I, 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 I hope I didn't bore you today. No way. No way. It was kind of all over the place, but I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It's hard. It's hard sometimes to uh, to sit down and talk and have a subject. And I want to start getting Dion. Hopefully uh, next week. Um, there's so much more of the tour I want to talk about. I'm playing all. If you if you follow Metallica and you look at all the cities they done starting with Las Vegas. I believe I'm in February. I'm going back to most of those cities. And man, I hope to see you. If you're out there in Salt Lake City, Boise, Idaho, Sacramento, all those places, I really hope you come out because I think we're becoming something more than just an audience and a comic. I really do. You're, you're, you're bringing me to a whole new place. I've been dying to get there for a long time. So, I, I can't thank you enough. This Metallica tour is turning into something a lot more. And there's so much more. I got to talk to you next week. You got to remind me about uh, the freaking talent show we had. We had a talent show. One day, uh, me and Joe Sib, we had a freaking... We made pasta in, in, our, in Joe's room for, for our bus and some of the staff, and we saw Whitney Cummings. So there's a lot more to talk to you about. I hope I didn't, you know, I just, I want to inspire people. That's all. So I, I hope I didn't, oh, today was good. Oh, today was good. And I'm just trying to, I got to tell you the story of Whitney Cummings. It's so freaking, I, so anyway, we'll get into that next week. I hope you have a great week, weekend. I know the holidays are here. Some of you, it's a tough time. Some of you, it's an amazing time. Some of you, it's a stressful time. Whatever the time is, live the moment, man. We're not here that long. We're not here that long. Life is about making memories and just putting the goodwill out there. I wish you all the best. Thank you for everything you do. Even if you don't feel thankful, trust me when I say thank you. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for listening. And thank you for always being there. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Um, <laughs> if you don't have Patreon yet, you need to check it out because there's episodes coming up that are freaking belly laughing funny. The whole homeless, feeding the homeless and how that went about is all coming down. And um, it's pretty awesome. It's all, I'm damn proud of that channel. And it's just going to keep getting better. All the best to you. Thank you.